Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Weekday Wednesday, Tucson, Arizona's number one online radio podcast about all things medical cannabis. Your host, Bellstar. And the Cannabis Kid. Our show features news, interviews, and all the latest information about anything and everything medical cannabis related in Tucson, Arizona, and, and the, the world, world at large. We'd love to hear from you. Please give us a call live at 646-915-8421. You can like us on Facebook, follow us on all social media, or email thctucson at gmail.com. We'd like to thank Tumbleweed's Health Center and Studio C, along with our many sponsors for hosting our show every week. With the lowest price certifications in town, you'll find hemp products, accessories, and all things related to medical cannabis education. Visit Tumbleweed Health Center at 4826 East Broadway Boulevard or online at tumbleweedhealthcenter.com. And remember, be smart, be safe, and educate. Canna Health is a digital magazine focused on knowledge, safe access, and advocacy with a monthly subscription readership. It's loaded with scientific and clinical articles from various healthcare professionals, profiles of cannabis clinics offering safe access to medicines, national and local organizations open to the public, and real-life patient success stories. It's free to subscribe, so don't miss another issue of Canna Health. Well, it looks like I'm just going to host my own show. Once again, welcome to Weekday Wednesday, everybody. Here we go, hosting our own show. Let's see if this works. Oh, man, this is crazy. It happened again. Reggae Ryan, are you there? Did you keep leaving because you thought I wasn't there? Okay, now I'm here. All right, just had to double check to make sure we were getting actual feedback. (laughs) Oh, boy. Welcome to Weed Day Wednesday, everybody. I don't know. Did you all just hear that intro of, you know, almost 10 minutes long, trying to figure out what's going on? You can never tell if my show is working. Okay. Well, now it is. And uh, we were just going to read off the ailments. Uh, If you want to get your medical cannabis card here in Tucson, Arizona, and actually anywhere in the state of Arizona, we have um, telemedicine available. And you, for the snowbirds, you guys can uh, get you guys can renew from wherever you are, and by the time you get out here, you'll have your card. Brilliant idea, TM. Okay, not TM. Sorry, been done. But anyway, <laughs> you guys can get your cards um, starting. So tomorrow is July first, whoop, whoop. and we will start the renewals for those August patients that. Um, 
got their cards right when the two-year thing happened. So July, well, actually, yes, July, well, we can certify you now if you want. You can come on in now, but uh, you can come 90 days prior. So we've got people, uh, you know, we've got a lot of October kids out there calling and saying, hey, I want to renew my card. Like, it, uh, just a bit early, maybe a couple days. Um, but we'll get you there. We'll get you on the schedule anyway. So just give a call, 520-838-4430. All right. So what conditions qualify you for a medical cannabis card? In Arizona, that would be PTSD, cancer, uh, AIDS, chronic pain, which is everything from migraines to uh, DDD, RA, uh, all sorts of, all sorts, any pain, any chronic pain, uh, severe nausea, seizures, including epilepsy, HIV, hep C, ALS, Crohn's disease, agitation of Alzheimer's, cachexia uh, or wasting syndrome, severe and persistent muscle spasms, including multiple sclerosis, and that includes Parkinson's and all the the spasm diseases. Uh, you're eligible for a medical cannabis card if you suffer from a chronic or a debilitating disease or a medical condition or just a treatment. If you're being treated for anything that's not even on your list, um, you can get a medical card. And if it's causing you, if that treatment's causing any of the, the, you know, the problems, you can get your medical card. If you suffer from one of these medical conditions and have been diagnosed by an Arizona licensed physician, medical cannabis may help relieve your symptoms. Tumbleweeds Health Center is Arizona's premier cannabis certification health and education center. Our primary focus is to help the patients of Arizona obtain their medical marijuana card and educate everyone about medical cannabis. With current medical records, approval is a simple process. Contact Tumbleweeds Health Center to see if you qualify for your Arizona medical marijuana card. Just give us a call, 520-838-4430. You can email thctucson at gmail.com. You can come on down to 4826 East Broadway Boulevard and check us out. All right. Weekday Wednesday, uh, June 30th, last day of July. And I think it's like 190 days until Christmas. Something like that. I don't know. Um. Arizona kids, did you hear about this uh, new marijuana recall in Arizona due to possible contamination? Yeah. Multiple Arizona marijuana establishments and dispensaries are initiating a voluntary recall of specific marijuana products due to possible contamination with salmonella or aspergillus. Oh, I don't even know what that is. See below for a list with the products and lot numbers. The Arizona Department of Health Services is advising purchasers to dispose of the products described in the table below, which were found in laboratory tests to be positive for those things, salmonella and aspergillus. I'm not saying asparagus. Not spelled the same. I like asparagus. Who out there has asparagus tea? Raise your hand, mine grace, and I hate cilantro. It tastes like soap. Dang it. I love Mexican soap. Okay. Um, to date, no illnesses have been reported. This announcement is being made out of an abundance of caution. Patients who have purchased potentially contaminated products should not ingest, inhale, or otherwise consume them and should dispose of them. If you have already consumed any of the products and have any of the symptoms described below, please contact your health care provider or seek emergency care in the event of an emergency. Well, that makes sense. 
the ADHS laboratory auditors determined during routine inspection, um, and then I'll get to that question, of an independent third-party laboratory that marijuana samples that tested positive for salmonella were reported to dispensaries uh, and marijuana establishments as free of contaminants. In addition, marijuana samples that tested positive for aspergillus were reported to dispensaries and marijuana establishments as free of contaminants. But once ADHS discovered the positive test results, the establishments involved were notified and took immediate action to work with all distribution and retail partners to remove any potentially impacted products. Consumers with any questions may contact the establishment or dispensary they purchase any of the products on the list below. Okay, so here are the symptoms. For salmonella, symptoms from ingesting salmonella usually start within six hours to six days after infection and can last four to seven days. Ingestion can happen inadvertently after handling salmonella contaminated products. So your symptoms conclude. Include possible diarrhea that can be bloody, fever, stomach cramps. Some people may also have nausea, vomiting, and headaches. And then they list, uh, there's a, here's your government CDC guidelines on salmonella and general symptoms. I will post that in our little blog section here. Um, Let's see. I don't know if Reggae Ryan keeps hanging up or if it's a program going on over there, Grand Island. So there's your list. Um, All right. And now uh, aspergillus can cause allergic reactions or infection, usually in people already sick with something else. Symptoms range from asthma or cold-like symptoms to fever and chest pain, among many others. A full list of symptoms can be found at the Center for Disease Control and Prevention's website, which I will post uh, in our little blog section now. So um, I hope that they're going to list which dispensaries are carrying these things because I heard, um, uh, well, actually, I bet all of, I bet a lot of them do. Anyway, uh, the products, yeah, Har- Harvest, that's what I heard. Harvest Platinum 14-gram prepacked indica flour glazed apricot gelato. And then they give like a whole serial number, which I'm going to post all this in the little blog thing. Oh, I bet the blog's going to yell at me if I try that. Harvest Platinum 4-gram prepacked sativa flour, tiger haze. Modern flour 3.5 prepacked indica flour orange acai, acai, however you want to say it. Acai. Oh. Soul flour dispensaries and establishments, Tahiti Lime. Ooh, that's not good. Elephant Head Farms, hat trick number 17, flour pre-rolls. True Infusion Flower Cherry Wi-Fi, Wi-Fi. And the Farm Chemistry number one, and uh, which has a harvesting date of 3-24-21. And Chemistry number one. Uh, and they give some weird numbers after that one. So, folks, if you're not feeling well after smoking your weed uh, or eating your weed, you need to call AZDHS uh, or go to the website, azdhs.gov. Or um, you can check out the CDC things I just posted. Okay, so that's that on Bud Recall. That's no good. Salmonella, how the heck does that even happen? All right, um, let's see. High Times creates Michael Phelps. Oh, okay. Um, so that's an interesting uh, picture of him. You kind of, it's very weird. Okay, 
So let's see. There are, um, in other news, there are a bunch of states that are uh, going wreck right now today. So let's read about those. Um, Laws legalizing the use and possession of marijuana by adults 21 or older begin this week in, are you ready for it? Love it. Connecticut, New Mexico, and Virginia. Go, guys. Awesome. All right. Laws legalizing the use and possession of marijuana by adults age 21 or older began this week in Connecticut, New Mexico, and Virginia once enacted an estimated 145 million Americans or more than 40% of the country will live in states where the adult use of medic of just cannabis is legal under state law. Ha-ha, silver sister, how long did that take? <laughs> I mean, it only took us 10 years of trying, but for all you, you know, veteran go-getters out there, we know who you are. Thanks. We love you. Uh, quote, legalization is now a reality for nearly one half of the U.S. population, Normal stated. As more jurisdictions continue to enact these common-sense regulatory policies, it's imperative that Congress quit stalling and amends federal law in a manner that addresses the state-federal divide and respects the will of the voters in these growing numbers of states. I just like that part in the Bible that applies that exact situation. <laughs> Favorite movie line. You guys got to figure out the movie. <laughs> I won't say the next. All right. New Mexico's cannabis legalization law takes effect, uh, took effect yesterday. Woo-woo. Go Doug Fine. Woo. Under the new law, which was passed by lawmakers in a special legislative session April 20th, <laughs> adults may possess up to two ounces and grow up to six plants. Woo, Retail sales of cannabis and cannabis products are ant- anticipated to begin in spring of 2022. Separate legislation facilit- uh, facilitating the expungement of past marijuana convictions also took effect on Tuesday. Right on. I wonder how their expungement process is because, boy, Arizona sure got everybody excited for ours, and it's just not that good. Um, Connecticut's marijuana legalization law takes effect July 1st, which is tomorrow. Lawmakers passed the measure in a special session this month. It permits adults to possess personal use quantities of marijuana, one and a half ounces, and equivalent amounts of cannabis concentrates without penalty. It also facilitates the automatic review and expungement of low-level marijuana convictions. Other provisions in the law licensing the commercial cultivation and retail sale of cannabis go into effect next year, while language authorizing adults to home cultivate limited quantities of cannabis does not take effect until 2023. What the heck? (laughs) Hey, guys, you can grow. But not right now. Year and a half away, that's lame. Virginia's cannabis legalization law also takes effect on July 1st. Legislators approved the measure in April. Under the law, adults may legally possess up to one ounce and home cultivate up to four plants per household marijuana without penalty. Separate provisions in the law regulating the commercial production and retail sale of cannabis do not take effect until January 1st, 2024. Wow, that's a long time, guys. In all five states, New Jersey, New Mexico, New York, and Virginia have passed legislation this year legalizing the adult use of marijuana. New Jersey's law, which permits adults to possess up to six ounces of cannabis, took effect in February. Right on, six ounces. That's awesome. 
not? In California, <laughs> you go see the doctor. Doctor says, well, how much cannabis do you think you need a month to take care of your particular ailment? And I said, two pounds a month. And you wrote it down. Some people need that. Some people need that. If you're making oil, you definitely need a lot of a lot of weed. All right, um, let's see. New York's legalization law, which allows adults to possess up to three ounces of cannabis, took effect in March. All right. Three ounces of cannabis, Silver Sister. Both states are expected to begin licensing retailers to sell cannabis and cannabis products next year. Well, that's awesome. Speaking of cannabis expungement processes, let's read about ours. AZ Cannabis is July 12th. Okay. On November 3rd, 2020, voters in Arizona passed Prop 207, also known as the Smart and Safe Act. The ballot measure legalizes the adult recreational use of marijuana, specifically by allowing 21 and older in Arizona to possess up to one ounce of marijuana with no more than five grams being marijuana concentrate, five grams. And to have up to six marijuana plants at their home with 12 marijuana plants in the household with two or more adult members. Immediately, uh uh-oh, things are happening. Immediately following the certification of the election, the Maricopa County uh, Attorney's Office, MCAO, began filing motions to dismiss pending cases in Maricopa County that would have uh, been covered by the new statute, but for the date of crime. Okay. Um, Proposition 207 also allows anyone convicted of um, convicted or adjudicated as a juvenile of certain crimes related to possession, consumption, cultivation, transportation of marijuana to petition, petition for the expungement of their criminal record. Uh, um, <clears throat> starting July 12th, individuals can apply for for convictions and juvenile. Uh, uh, Educate. I just said it, man. <laughs> I just had it right. Adjudication <laughs> occurring before the passage of Prop 207. If the offense was for, you already here's the big if possessing, consuming, or transporting two and a half ounces or less of marijuana, which not more than 12 and one half grams was in the form of marijuana concentrate. Sorry, I'm laughing. This is your big expungement program? You fit it within the medical marijuana guidelines? What? So people that had a problem with two and a half ounces plus some concentrates are just totally, they're screwed from the program. Two, possessing, transporting, cultivating, or processing not more than six marijuana plants at the individual primary's residence for personal use. Uh, What the? This is. This is not what they made out to promise to Arizonans, which is why you guys voted this crappy bill in. Three, possessing, using, or transporting paraphernalia relating to the cultivation, manufacture, possession, or processing, or consumption of marijuana. Oh, please. The Marijuana County Attorney, the Maricopa County Attorney strongly believes that the will of the voters should be implemented as quickly as possible. The Maricopa County Attorney's Office will assist people who have been convicted, adjudicated of a crime listed above by filing a stipulated motion to expunge their conviction and adjudication. 
Therefore, a process has been created for defendants adjudicated juveniles or their legal representatives to ask this office to file a motion with the court to expunge this criminal conviction or adjudication. Recognizing that there are thousands of applicable cases and that our resources are limited, the Maricopa County Attorney's Office will prioritize which case we file a stipulation uh, motion on. And how are they going to do that? Okay, in order for the Maricopa County's uh, office to file a motion on your behalf, the following conditions must exist. Uh, One, the amount of drugs involved in the case must be below the amount stated above, two and a half ounces of marijuana or 12.5 grams of marijuana concentrate or six marijuana plants. Two, defendant juvenile must not have any pending felony cases or charges submitted to our office to be reviewed for filing felony charges. And three, Defendant juvenile must not have been convicted of any felony other than the offense covered by Prop 207 subsequent to the conviction they wish to have expunged. So there's going to be very, yeah, thousands, right. They have to petition. So I hope everybody who's got someone in jail that loves you uh, knows how to do this petition because, I don't know, seems a little uh, little cray-cray to me. And um, <laughs> I love it. They're calling it high times and flipped over. High times, great. Michael Phelps, because he smoked a bong after he won all his gold medals. But they're they're asking if he helped plant the, the seed of reform. Um, and, uh, well, I don't know. Did he? Uh, did Michael Phelps' multimillion-dollar tote from back in the day plant the seed of future reforms? Uh, from the June 2009 issue of High Times comes David Binenstock's piece, Bongs Away, inspired by Olympic swimmer Michael Phelps, who turns 36 years old today. Happy birthday to you, Michael Phelps. All right, 36, you're just a baby. You're just a baby. Damn, look what you've done, though. <laughs> Wow. All right. Well, America's 15 million monthly pot smokers look back in the not-too-distant future and remember 14-time Olympic gold medalist Michael Phelps as the man who legalized marijuana? No. (laughs) But the curious case of the swimmer inhaled will come to symbolize the exact moment when our nation's long-suffering herbal enthusiasts finally realized their collective political power. And the march uh, from there to de facto legalization may end up being a far shorter journey than anyone previously predicted. That's true. The new algebra when it comes to marijuana policy starts at the top. For the first time in at least 30 years, the President of the United States appears willing to allow significant reform under his watch. Not that he'll be leading the charge. Uh, Asked on the campaign trail for his position, Barack Obama's medical marijuana Entirely appropriate uh, to an end to DEA raids on medical cannabis providers in states with laws protecting them. But he also strongly indicated that he wouldn't use his personal political capital to push the issue. Uh, when we're trying to get uh, when we're trying to get healthcare passed or end the war in Iraq, Obama reasoned, the likelihood of marijuana reform being real high on my list is not likely. Get it? High on the list. Will you consider legalizing marijuana so that government can regulate it, tax it, put age <clears throat> limits on it, create millions of new jobs, and create a billion-dollar industry right here in the U.S.? Good question, but unfortunately, a lot of stoners didn't like the unequivocal answer posted in reply. Quote, President-elect Obama is not in favor of the legalization of marijuana. Quote, 
doesn't exactly sound like change you can breathe in. But then again, sometimes even a one-line answer, you've got to read between the lines. So while Obama flatly stated that he does not support marijuana legalization, it's equally worth noting that he does not say he's opposed to it, nor does he feel the need to trot out uh, tired, long, discredited talking points like, think of the children, it's the gateway drug, wrong message, higher potency, what about the baby? And so the long-suffering marijuana community dutifully braced itself for four more years of hard work with little help from above. But then, just two days after Obama's historic inauguration, the DEA raided a medical marijuana dispensary in South Lake Tahoe, California. With Bush-era leftovers temporarily heading the DEA, the Justice Department, and the Office of National Drug Control Policy, the raid appeared timed uh, to embarrass the new administration into maintaining the status quo. Uh, Marijuana activists burned by this latest amending confirmation of Eric Holder as U.S. uh, Attorney General would give Obama a new opportunity to make good on his promise to end the raid. Uh, On the very day Holder took office, however, the DEA struck again, targeting two more medical cannabis dispensaries in this time Los Angeles area, seizing money and marijuana, but making no arrests. Imagine that. Meanwhile, just a day earlier, a photograph of Michael Phelps allegedly smoking ganja from a glass war bong had surfaced in a British tabloid, sparking a, quote, scandal that would soon spread to every corner of the globe. Hyped as a national hero and dolphin hybrid, after earning a chestful of gold medals in the 2008 Olympics, the 23-year-old Phelps quickly became an unwilling poster boy for cannabis sativa. Predictably, the young athlete, fearing for his lucrative product, uh, product endorsements, issued a public apology and was subsequently suspended by USA Swimming for three months and dropped by Kellogg's as the serial spokesman. All that remained was for someone in the drug czar's office to somehow link Phelps' bong hit to Cheech and Chong's medicine claim <clears throat> that children would surely get the wrong message if cancer, cancer patients use marijuana to treat nausea associated with chemotherapy, and then boldly reaffirm our nation's irrational willingness to waste billions of dollars every year in an unwinnable war against a largely harmless plant. But then a funny thing happened minus a campaign of coordinated disinformation and bitter opposition from the federal government, America's legions of responsible adult marijuana smokers finally had a chance to stick up for themselves. When the DEA raided, we started to get concerned, said Don Duncan, California director of the National Medical Marijuana Advocacy Group, Americans for Safe Access. Speaking at a meeting of supporters, there was a tremendous grassroots outcry that you didn't see in the media. So many people called the White House switchboard that they came to us and asked what we wanted. On February 5th, just three days after the second round of DEA raids, the new administration publicly addressed marijuana for the first time, and all of a sudden we went from politicians afraid of appearing soft on drugs to those afraid of appearing short on compassion and common sense. Quote, the president believes that federal resources should not be used to circumvent state laws, and he continues to appoint senior leadership to fill out the ranks of the federal government. He expects them to review their policies with that in mind, White House spokesman Nick Shapiro said, referring to the still unfiled leadership post at the DEA and ONDCP. A week later, the Obama administration floated former Seattle Police Chief Gil Karlikoff, sorry for the mess up, for the position of drug czar, if appointed, Uh, Gill would control the ONDCP, including its nearly $14 billion budget, and be charged with formulating and coordinating national drug control policy. 
best known to the marijuana law reform community as the person responsible for his department of professional and non-confrontational oversight during the uh, annual Seattle Hemp Fest, <clears throat> Gill has made a Seattle a, quote, model for sensible marijuana policy, quote, according to the Drug War Chronicle. While not outwardly in favor of legalization, uh, legalizing marijuana, Gill would nonetheless represent a significant departure from the reefer madness that has afflicted all previous drug czars since the position was created in 1988. What about Michael Phelps? Well, soon after the non-infamous bong photo surfaced, details began to emerge about the night in question, which ended at an off-campus house near the University of South Carolina. Uh, puffing tough with some friends and strangers after an evening out on the town, the uh, erstwhile role model ended up costing himself millions in endorsements. This fortunately got much higher for Phelps' cannabis colleagues once the local sheriff got involved. <laughs> Based on the photo of Phelps pulling tubes, uh, Sheriff Leon Lott of uh, Richland County obtained a search warrant for the house that had hosted the pot party and followed it up by raiding the place. The police made eight arrests, including one for distribution, and also confiscated the notorious bong, which which its owner had allegedly tried to sell on eBay for $100,000. You blew it, buddy. You could have had 50. But then... Another funny thing happened. Sheriff Lott took such a beating in the press for his vindictive waste of taxpayer dollars that the, quote, investigation into the Phelps photo was uh, unceremoniously dropped without any charges being filed against the swimmer at the center of the scandal. Most newspaper editorials uh, and TV pundits sensing the shifting fragrant uh, winds of marijuana policy took the opportunity not to defend the sheriff, <laughs> Kellogg's, or the once untouchable war on drugs, but instead to ask why marijuana is illegal in the first place. Of course, this long overdue debate begins decidedly too late for the Phelps 8, whose fate remains uncertain as a president. So while Michael Phelps says he's ready to dive back in the pool, having put this whole thing behind me, it's left to to the rest of us to point out that, as usual, the rich and the powerful get an exemption in the nonstop war on weed that needlessly, that needlessly arrests over 800,000 Americans every year. But maybe not for much longer. That's true. Well, that was a long one. Oh, no. Oh, boy. Um, okay, let's see here. Let's do this. Puff, 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 puff.
But shit, it was 99 cents. I'll be blazing and smoking it. About to go and get some munchies next. Passing up on those cracker decks. Reese's pizzas are where it's at. Gotta get me some soda. Pop cotton mouth has been creeping up. I can't remember where I put my keys. Yeah, that's what's up. I'ma take your grandpa's ride. I'ma take your grandpa's ride. No, for real. Ask your grandpa. Can I take a 65? Seville cruising to my local Publix. Nothing better than rolling with two super fly chicks. They have frozen burritos. I bought frozen burritos. I bought some Ben and Jerry's. And then I bought some Cheetos. Hello, hello, my main man Obama A couple states have just reformed their laws on marijuana What you gonna do, send the feds there? Hell no, the DEA's would be like, aw, oh, they got volcanoes I'm gonna smoke some weed, only got $20 in my pocket I'm a hunt, looking for a pot shop, this is fucking know about the science of marijuana what you know about people suffering from glaucoma they need it they need it it helps them with their condition if you don't believe me then just ask some eye physicians thank your granddad for voting for that guy richard nixon is the president who made the plant illegal but science is now showing that it's medicine for people and the private sector fighting to keep all of that illegal alcohol and tobacco pharmaceutical prisons i'll take those four major lobby groups and fight those motherfuckers they're making money day and night all those motherfuckers and bribing congress out of sight all those motherfuckers They'd be like, oh, it's immoral and unhealthy I'm like, how many people are you making wealth? Anti-marijuana lobbies are making all kinds of profits And they don't want you to stop it because of all the special interests I call that getting swindled and pimp shit I call that getting tricked by the government That law's hella old So it's time to update it, regulate it, and then get it under state control Peak game, look into my political telescope Think it's gonna stay like this forever? Not hella won't Not hella won't Being a hypocrite, you used to smoke weed, fool. I'm gonna smoke some weed, only got $20 in my pocket. I'm a hunt, looking for a pot shop, this is fucking awesome. Let's end the war on drugs, it's time to pull the plug. These special interest groups are nothing more than corporate thugs. Let's end the war on weed, the people have agreed. All right, welcome back to Wednesday, Wednesday. Woo-hoo. How's everybody doing? <clears throat> doing swell over here. Just had some OG cooks. Mm. All right. Okay. So there you have it. Uh, Michael Phelps. Okay. So uh, let's see. We've got 20 minutes left here. What should we do? What should we do? You know, I always like listening to Doug Fine. If anybody's up for Doug Fine story time. All right. So let's see how we're going to do this one. I'm going to have to do a little more trickery here. We're going to put this on speakerphone. And we're going to get to Doug Fine right now. Um, you should check out DougFine.com. We are listening to American Hemp Farmer Adventures and Misadventures in the Cannabis Trade. We'll back up about 15, 30 seconds to see what's going on. We have less than an hour left. Woo! All right. I look for microbial balance. In many cases, you want the good ones. Waging a war on all microbes is the thinking that causes superbugs. By crafting and eating living food... We're trying to nurture the 
nicely with us. Obviously, there are dangerous microbes that we don't want in our food. Moving to the hairnet side of the discussion, in particular where it intersects with hemp cannabis, I hark back to a 2018 conversation I had with a very smart Dutch colleague of mine, Sanders Sendi. After establishing his reputation as a top-tier cannabis cultivator in the Netherlands, he developed an indoor food production protocol as part of his graduate work. We spoke backstage at Amsterdam's 10th annual Cannabis Liberation Day Festival, where I was speaking and he was volunteering. He was leaving his native Holland the very next day for a career track gig running an indoor cannabis grow outfit in Colorado. In fact, we spent some of our fairly intense conversation that day hauling big pots containing his beautiful and I think worth noting outdoor grown personal cannabis plants. They served as set dressing for the event VIP area. Also, they were in need of adoption given Sanders' pending emigration on Amsterdam's canals. They all found homes. I want to stress that I don't think that following the philosophy Sanders' work represents is wrong. He's a guy I respect. And if I ran an indoor grow facility aiming for certain types of compliance, he's the guy I'd want to hire. I just don't think it should be the only mode. Sander is a fellow who can make sure every manner of abbreviation appears after your product's name. His shop talk includes QMS, Quality Management Systems, MMRs, Master Manufacturing Records, ISO, International Organization for Standardization, Quality Standards, and GMP, Good Manufacturing Practices. He singled out HACCP, Hazard Analysis and Critical Control Points, as a food safety hazard reduction guideline that he thinks is important for every grow. That's a noun that indoor cultivators substitute for farm. Others in the industry recommend a Preventative Control Qualified Individual Certification. This is evidently the Modernization Act, FISMA, a 2011 federal law in the United States drafted by large grocery trade groups that expands FDA powers in controlling how food is grown and prepared. Parts of FISMA put forth exactly the kind of requirements from which wheat craft producers should be at least partly exempted or else we might have to float our own counterbill. Let's call it the Food Safety Antiquating Act. Those FISMA sections that craft hemp producers might want to further examine include forcing federally approved labs upon farmers, allowing the feds access to company plans, and allowing unannounced FDA inspections during which facilities and products are swabbed in order to make sure they are microbe-free. Our policy work will argue that a production facility should be bad microbe-free, of course, but kill all microbes in order to be allowed to provide our products to customers? Not so much. Uniformity and clean grow environments are Sanders' big talking points. This is the side of food-grade production that sees edible products as the end result of a process that controls. What does a clean grow environment mean to you, I asked him. Effectively zero microbes, he said. Automated clean rooms with no people inside. So for one part of the hemp cannabis industry, clean means sterile, 
No 200-year-old molds in any 100,000-clone facility that Sander manages. That stuff will be taken out immediately. Also gone will be farmers touching every plant almost every day. Guys like Sander are in demand. Anytime there's a romaine scare, they get more in demand. Sander provides a company with a paper trail that says folks won't get salmonella from their clones or isolate. This is the side of the industry that wants to push the plant as a pharmaceutical-grade product, which is one way to go. It has a place within hemp's big tent. Until the orange bottle generation moves on, some people are going to want pills dropped into one by a guy in a lab coat be made of hemp. But for the independent farmer entrepreneur to thrive, it's equally important that a whole plant option with all its nutritive properties still active in it is also widely available for everyone, anywhere, who wants it. Even when said plant is grown under that messy sun and in soil full of shudder, fungus, and other microbes, ideally will have both nutritive supplement and pharmaceutical options in the edible hemp marketplace. You can pick. I've heard lawyers refer to these two evolving branches of the hemp industry as two equal streams. In other words, you can today choose to eat a lot of fresh carrots or take beta-carotene pills. A level playing field in the hemp marketplace means if you want a cannabinoid product, you can buy a flower tincture provided by regional farmers, or you can buy a pill grown in a grow facility somewhere. Erica Campbell, who is the farmer liaison for Senator Sanders and has visited our Vermont hemp field three times, told me that her office is concerned about this level playing field. Politicians are looking for constituents and stakeholders to make some noise and say, we want to make sure hemp remains a nutritive supplement, not just a pharmaceutical, she said. Once again, leaping into the phone booth to transform into Mr. Reasonable Middle Ground, all I'm saying here is that we must find a balance that protects hemp product safety without turning every sellable product into the cannabis equivalent of irradiated milk. That's because when you nuke any living product, an entire market sector, and I believe, you potentially damage some of what is I'm the kind of guy who wants to see all the plant cannabinoids, terpenes, and bioflavonoids in their intended ratio end up in the bottle. Living organic hemp must have an equal, if not predominant, seat at the table. It's not just our brand. It's the healthiest brand. The enduring predominance of our craft sector past hemp's launch phase will likely hinge on two things. One, our effective organization as farmers to craft and enact the kind of regulation that will allow us to thrive. And two, enough people making the decision to support local and regional enterprises. When both of these happen, an enduring market share will be equipped to play in the big leagues alongside big food. In fact, craft hemp will gain on big hemp the way craft beer is slaughtering Miller. We will have our own lawyers and safety experts to help us negotiate key points based on craft beer and cottage models, but expanded to our 15-ton or less industry sector. And we're going to need them. In the coming debate, I will say battle, we're also going to benefit from grown-ups in the room, like Roger Gushis, who sees the significant and fundamental role of the craft market as hemp explodes back into the world marketplace. To have existing food professionals in our corner is essential. Roger's hemp pressing operation might be the most advanced in the United States.
it would be easy for him to focus only on the largest suppliers, bringing him the varieties that are the quickest to cultivate. You know, Mazzola style. Yet he has a place in his heart and in his presses for the artisan producer. Everybody wants consistency at scale, Roger said, echoing Chad Rosen. But does that leave room for new flavor profiles and niche markets? I hope so. I'm willing to custom process for those markets. We can let the CBD mills that aspire to supply CBS fight over the kind of protocols that will result in ultra-pasteurized hemp. If you're a raw food-leaning family like mine is, you should have commercial access to it even if you can't personally own goats or grow hemp. Our craft hemp regulations must allow a living food middle ground. Best practices, yes. Sterile hemp, not for the craft stream of the industry. It's an admirable mission working to ensure a place for living products in a globalized food system. Will it succeed? In truth, we soil-based entrepreneurs are all too new at this to yet know if our values can map to the digital age economy on a decentralized but cumulatively mass scale. The goal is mainstream buying habits demanding our products. Just as today, every customer understands that a drink might come in regular and diet, so our end game is a shopping climate wherein every purchase decision is either regenerative or other. Also exciting is that this is about more than one crop. If we succeed, the regenerative mode can dominate agriculture and the wider economy in the coming decades. When hundreds of millions of people start to shop this way, a thriving network of regional economies can succeed. As we rally customers, we're going to jujitsu our way into a seat at the table that carves out the industry's parameters. Helpful memos from public servants. We do tend in our public policy to be reactive. Partly that's because any regulation emanating from one building along the Potomac that is intended to encompass 300 million stomachs is likely to incorporate a lowest common denominator. And now we're talking about a sort of planetary NAFTA of food regs in this global food safety initiative. As the security expert Bruce Schneier emphasizes, many safety rules across society are intended much more to help masses of people feel safe than to actually help them stay safe. Just as removing our shoes and dumping our water at airports doesn't necessarily make our flight more secure, so food regulatory regimes that bleach everything into sterility aren't necessarily better for long-term health. We're arguably safer from salmonella, but we risk throwing out the baby with the microbes. Hmm. To give one example of misguided regulatory emphasis, during the first six months that I was researching the then-illegal $6 billion ganja industry in the heart of the Emerald Triangle in 2011, there was exactly one federal raid in Mendocino County, California. Any guesses what it was for? Hint, it wasn't cannabis. It was raw cheese. Hmm. Just for some perspective, between 2007 and 2012, there were no deaths reported from raw milk, while just under five people per day die from tainted meat, according to statistics from the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. No one seems to be screaming about that. It's just how the big food regulatory game rolls. Anyone in a food business can give you concrete examples of safety protocols designed more for large operators than for independents. 
My local commercial raw dairy owner, for instance, Ashley White of Proverbs Farms, said she got around cost-prohibitive rules that technically required her to build a restroom solely for the visiting inspector of her five cows by explaining that there was a perfectly serviceable bathroom across the street at the local airstrip. Lest one think that initiating a craft market sector rally for friendly hemp regulations is a bit wonky and premature, I'll share that I'm still reeling a bit from a message I received on the day that the hemp legalizing farm bill was signed. It was December 2018. I was just starting this book. While I was trying to take a minute to savor the most profound policy correction in three quarters of a century, Terry Jaguer had to drop me this line. The subject read, of course, there's this. I knew right away that inside would not be another of the we win messages I had been getting and sending all day. I clicked the note open cautiously, wincing slightly. Before he eases my blood pressure, Terry often increases it. He presents problems, then solutions. What the note contained was a letter from then FDA Commissioner Scott Gottlieb. It read in part, Today, the Agriculture Improvement Act of 2018 was signed into law. Congress explicitly preserved the agency's current authority to regulate products containing cannabis or cannabis-derived compounds under the Federal Food, Drug, and Cosmetic Act and Section 351 of the Public Health Service Act. In short, we treat products containing cannabis or cannabis-derived compounds as we do any other FDA-regulated products meaning they're subject to the same authorities and requirements as FDA-regulated products containing any other substance. I remember thinking, that was quick. I found it interesting that hours after a hemp provision representing 3% of the word count and even less of the budget outlay in a nearly trillion-dollar agriculture bill was passed, the office of the FDA commissioner took time to instigate a pissing contest with farmers and entrepreneurs. In many ways, the letter was the bureaucratic version of a playground bully's turf war, in this case with the assertion that one of the world's longest utilized plants was now under FDA purview. Obviously, the letter had just been waiting for someone to hit the send button. This was not the thank you, hemp pioneers, for helping the economy and climate one might have hoped from our public servants. It was not, for instance, the attitude about hemp one sees in the current world acreage leader, China, which is, do it. Then President of China, Hu Jintao, paid an official visit to the nation's first modern-era hemp processor back in 2006. Oh, well, it's just food, soil, and survival. But the key takeaway is the time for craft farmer entrepreneurs to get organized is now. The devil's in the regulatory details. This is true on both the state and federal levels. If you're an independent farmer, please participate in crafting regs personally, not just by sending a check to an organization. Here's how urgent this effort is. ...on the theme for a couple of paragraphs in his note. From Gottlieb's concern for our collective safety, one wonders how on earth humans manage
Edgar Winters also saw 